This is the Opening Market Podcast on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network for Friday, February the 17th. I'm Dustin Huffman. We're on the phone right now with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net. Matt, heading into this Friday, last trading day of the week, what are we looking at? You know, uh, it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how we play out. Early in the week, you know, it was a little uh, uh, better environment, I guess, for the markets. Later in the week or middle part of the week, it's just been kind of quiet. Uh, path lease resistance has seemed lower, you know, and, and we've kind of gotten, I guess, towards the lower end of the range, both on corn and beans. But as we come in here Friday morning, it looks like beans are trying to rally a little bit. Um, to be honest, it just doesn't look like anybody wants to take either side of this thing. Uh, yeah, I do think that the, some of the downward movement we've seen has been people taking longs off because um, it looks like open interest has kind of declined just a little bit. But regardless, it, it just doesn't look like anybody wants to do anything. If you look at, for instance, like the March corn chart, I mean, all your moving averages have converged. I mean, you've got this super tight uh, window there. Uh, at some point, we're going to break out of that thing. And when we do, uh, we better hope it's not to the downside unless we've got something something in place to protect us. Now, when you're talking about the fact that it's not moving very much, I mean, it doesn't mean that there aren't factors out there that are by play, but it's just it seems like it's just enough to, to keep pulling against each other just to kind of keep things where they're at here the last part of the week. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so we all know that for old crop, both corn and beans have a pretty tight situation here in the U.S., uh, but we also know whenever we look at new crop, if we produce types of crops that we're able to, you know, the corn balance sheet could change, you know, a fair amount if you get 90 million or more acres. Most folks are calling for upwards of 90 million acres of corn. And so, yeah, you've got this tight situation that could change. So you've got folks on both sides of this ledger here, and it's kind of a tug of war. No one's really winning it <laughs> to speak of. And again, I feel like no one wants to take this big time position, if you will, you know, on which way this thing is going to go. You look at the chart for old crop, and it, it looks okay still uh, as far as corn is concerned. You look at the chart for new crop, and it kind of looks like the path of least resistance is lower, lower a series of lower highs, if you will. You know, you look at beans. Bean chart actually looks pretty good, but, you know, again, you're down towards the lower end of the range as far as as far as far uh, the chance. And then you look at new crop beans, and the uh, same type of thing. We've tried to build a bullish case here lately. Kind of got a little bit of an uptrend going on here. Can we hold that intact? I think it's uh, it remains to be seen. But uh, you look at things like, for instance, soybean meal this week has kind of dropped off the board as far as where we were at previously. You know, earlier, uh, you know, last, uh, let's see, on the uh, 13th, uh, we went to 508.2. That's the highest that we've saw for soybean meal. And right now we're trading, oh, about 13 bucks a ton cheaper than that. So, you know, we're well off the highs, but we're still uh, pushing 495, 496. That's a heck of a price for soybean meal. You know, and, and one of the big, uh, you know, X factors out there is, you know, what are we going to see for, for crop production this year? I mean, Brazil, us, Australia, we've, we've had a couple rough years now. Australia usually is not one we mention a lot, but they've had some drought issues just like uh, we have and, and South America has. But now Brazil looks like it's bounced back. Well, you know, I was down there last month. Believe me, it looks good down there. And, and it sounds like they're bouncing back. Argentina's still having some trouble. But now Western Australia just reported their crops are looking pretty good. If we turn a corner too, all of a sudden, we're going to be looking at a world stock that could be very flush, and that could all of a sudden be a pretty big weight to put on the put on the ankles of the of the markets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so that's the thing is that you know, has gotten uh, dusted to a point where, just like everything else, it's kind of a just-in-time delivery world. We're okay with uh, getting really low stocks levels because everyone feels like we're always going to be able to produce enough to get by. And so with that being the case, you've got a chance for some serious volatility 
because in essence we have the ability to produce better crops as far as yields are concerned than what we've ever seen uh, in history. Uh, genetics just continue to get better, give us the opportunity to massively outproduce what we need, but at the same time, Mother Nature doesn't always cooperate. And so, you know, if Mother Nature decides to cooperate here this year, we could be looking at a major pendulum swift as far as, shift as far as not only prices, but profit margins. And so, uh, we've been trying to encourage producers to at least understand that. You know, your, your trend line yield for corn this year is 181.5. If you had a 181.5 with over 90 million acres, you're looking at two and a half billion bushel carry, and that's kind of a situation where uh, prices would definitely uh, have some serious downward pressure. And now, what what do producers need to be thinking about? I mean, some of them may have you know made a plan back in the fall, but things have changed since the fall, or you know, over the early part of this winter. I mean, what kind of things should they be maybe relooking at or, or thinking about if they are just getting ready to make that plan for this year's crop? You know, I think flexibility is key, but at the same time, I think locking in some sort of a, a plan to where you know what your, your worst case scenario is, is, is what I would like to see a producer do. So whether that mean you put a floor under the market and let upside uh, run, if you do get the opportunity to see upward momentum, or whether that means, uh, you know, maybe selling or HTAing some uh, corn to uh, the facility that you want to work with and then maybe buying a call. My personal thought right now, I really don't want to sell a whole lot to the elevator because it's far enough out from, from harvest. You know, your basis is going to be fairly wide. But I would HTA some and, and, and allow them to carry the hedge. You know, and if you HTA it, you could turn around and buy, buy a call option. That's what I would call an insulated hedge to where, you know, you've got a price locked in. But at the same time, if this thing turns around and screams higher for one reason or another, you're going to participate in that at least to an extent. So, I want to have all my bases covered as far as uh, knowing uh, my worst-case scenario for profit margin, but at the same time know that I can still participate at least in a portion of the rally. Now, moving over to the livestock side of things, I mean, it's it's been an interesting week. Beginning of the week, it looked like hogs finally found some footing, and it looks like now it's just a matter of can they gain some traction, but it looks like they're still having trouble there. And in the cattle markets, it looks like the, the feedlots and the packers are playing chicken, and neither one of them wants to blink even yet this morning as we talk. I mean, what are we looking at right now in the situation in both markets? Yeah, I mean, as far as hogs are concerned, you know, we, we finally found some footing. I mean, this... This market is just absolutely treacherous. Uh, you basically you dropped the market to oh, almost fifteen dollars as far as hogs were concerned over the course of uh, you know about uh, two months, and so definitely a, a rough go there. I think you've got to see really strong demand. You need to see good export sales. If you see that, I think this hog market can at least hold in here in the mid eighties, maybe even build from here. As far as uh, cattle's concerned, you're, again you're. We've talked about this uh, several times, but, you know, in essence, fundamentally, you just can't make much more of a friendly case uh, for fat cattle. Uh, and there's no doubt that there's a good reason why feeders, especially in the deferred months, are running the $200 level. Uh, there's there's no question that it's going to be hard to get a hold of cattle. You know, if guys and gals end up retaining heifers and, and you get these pastures to recuperate in the West this year, uh, you could be looking at fat cattle prices uh, out into Q3 and 4, maybe even in the first quarter of uh, 2024, that, that might open your eyes big time because fundamentally you just can't make much more of a friendly case. Now, the only caveat is we really need to see these equities markets hold in place. You sure hope we don't uh, dip into some sort of a major recession. If you don't, it's going to be awfully tough to be able to hold this cattle market down. 
Now, of course, when we uh, think about this neck of the woods and, and, and further north, we see a lot of these feedlots that are getting ready to to sell off this year's herd here in a, in a pretty short order. But they're also going to be looking at replenishing this fall. I mean, what kind of things can they look at to make sure that, you know, obviously they pretty well have got things locked in now. But, I mean, obviously getting that, that higher uh, return on investment next year when you're buying those calves and then having to resell. I mean, what kind of things can they think about to really maximize what they can do in the market situation we're finding ourselves in now? I'll tell you what, Dustin, it's it's a treacherous game here because the problem is you're going to be buying very high-priced feeders. Uh, the price of corn, obviously, is still uh, very high. So you're probably going to want to uh, <clears throat> be kind of a hand-to-mouth type situation as far as corn prices are concerned, especially if you're a believer that we're going to have big acreage here in the U.S. for 2023. Uh, the cattle producer, essentially, has always been one that's kind of lived on faith and this year is not going to be any different but I do think there's a real opportunity at times to be able to latch on to some margin here and there it's just you're going to have a tough time right now being able to make it pencil buying the feeders selling the fats on the deferred contracts especially considering you know whenever you look out for instance to December 23 you know you're 167 and uh, 166.95 but you know essentially uh, that's pretty tough to do whenever you're buying feeders today uh, out on the, in the real world for 185 190. And what kind of advantage do those farmers have that are feeding their own corn instead of having to turn around and sell it and that way also not having to buy it for feeding that cattle? I mean, what kind of advantage are they looking at uh, in those profit margins? You know, there's definitely an advantage to it, but at the same time, you know, I know some of those guys uh, personally, and uh, they've told me, boy, I wouldn't mind selling some corn, especially whenever you get west of Mississippi, you know, in some cases for, you know, seven fifty, eight dollars uh, Obviously, they'd like to be able to sell some of that, but at the same time, I think they're making an investment in the, uh, some of these fat cattle that are going to be quite rewarding. So it all depends on what the bottom line is at the end of the day. And I think most of these producers are well aware that uh, feeding uh, high-priced corn is probably going to pay really good dividends this year. All right, Matt. Well, if folks want to talk about their market strategies, both livestock or grains, what's the best way for them to get in touch with agmarket.net? Yep, you just said it, agmarket.net. If they want to get a hold of us there, get a hold of our research, contact info, and uh, the technology that we uh, you know, use to help producers be able to figure uh, cost of uh, production, break-even, and uh, return on investment. All right, Matt. Well, we thank you so much for the insight, and we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely, bud. Have a good one. That again was Matt Bennett of AgMarket.net. Let's run down those opening numbers for you. March corn down a half at 675 and a half. December new crop down a quarter at 593 and a quarter. March soybeans down a half at 1526 even. November new crop down one and a quarter at 1382 and a half. May soy meal up $3.70 at 478.90. Soy oil down 87 cents at 61.29. Chicago wheat down two and a quarter at 774 even. Minneapolis down a penny at 922 and three quarters. Kansas wheat up a penny at 8.88 and a quarter. May oats up two and a half at 3.54. April live cattle 32 cents higher at 164.40. March feeders down 40 cents at 185.82. Lean hogs up 50 cents at 86.27. Pork cutouts up 50 cents at 92.90. Class three milk down four cents at 17.88. Thanks again to Matt Bennett of AgMarket.net for joining us here on the Opening Market Podcast. I'm Dustin Huffman on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, where Iowa Ag matters.